Something special is going on, and, and you're going to experience it in this podcast. It's different. You know, you know how often I've, I've said during our podcast, we've talked about this, you and I. We've talked about the fact that Latinos in America, I mean, we, we should not, and nor do we really live on the left, nor do we really live on the right. We are Latinos. We're not here to be Democrats. We're not here to be Republicans. We're here to make sense of this great nation that we love, right, with all its imperfections. And, and it's because of that that I've come to realize, as I meet a lot of people recently, and man, a lot of people are just coming up and saying, wow, I've been listening to your podcast. It's amazing. And we are growing now. I know every time I have a podcast, I tell you guys, we're looking at the numbers and we keep going up and up and up. We're now at... As of this morning, 338% uh, run rate growth. I mean, think about that. Uh, it's pretty amazing. So here we are now in San Diego. We've been invited to speak at the Latitudes Conference, which is pretty cool. I'm wearing this badge. It says, uh, you know, Agua Media Chief Executive Officer Rick Sanchez, which is kind of cool. We did a presentation yesterday where we told tens of thousands of people who are here, Latino leaders from all over the United States, about Agua Media. And, 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 and there's a certain sense of confusion, I think, in the Latino community right now about who we are. And are we left? Are we right? Are we indifferent? Um, and a lot of that is happening because we're getting a certain push from the Democratic Party. We're getting a certain pull from the Republican Party. Both parties are spending a lot of money to try and woo us. And, and I think it's a good time, as I was here meeting people, to understand why it is that some people feel like they're in this faction or the other. Now, as Latinos, let's face it, we generally vote as a group, for what it's worth, more Democrat than Republican, with the exception, as we've done a podcast on this, where Latinos in uh, Florida chose to vote during the, at least the presidential election more Republican than Democrat. Well, why was that? And what is, what is the strength of the very religious movement that takes place in the Latino community, for example? There's a lot of Latinos who feel very adherent to their church, their faith. And somehow their faith is used as a reason to vote for one party in particular, which is in this case is more the Republican Party. And how prevalent is that? And why is it happening? Well, you know, when we think through these things, which is fascinating from a political standpoint, whether you're Latino or not, I wanted to drill down by talking to someone who believes that the Latino community has been misled in many ways by the Democratic Party, and that the Latino community should really adhere more to Republican principles. And much of that is very faith-based. And I always say we should not be against each other for having different ideas. I am worried about what's happening right now in this country. I mean, it seems like we're almost on the brink of a civil war because people in one camp only talk to people in their camp, just like people in the other camp only talk to people in that camp, and we never come together and listen to each other. And it's in that listening that we can bring this country back together again. So I have an opportunity now to introduce you to somebody I met here at this conference who's a really good guy and an interesting human being and a guy who may have a very different perspective than that of the majority of Latinos, but maybe that's why we should listen. 
And here it is. So we're bringing this podcast to you today from San Diego. This has to be one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Oh, my God. I mean, the weather is magnificent. And the reason we're here is the Latitudes Conference that's been going on now every year now for the past uh, five years. It's important because, you know, oftentimes when we think of Latinos, we don't think of Latinos as business people, as successful entrepreneurs. This is a gathering that brings together tens of thousands of Latinos from the entertainment business, from the real estate business, from all kinds of uh, all kinds of industries in the United States where Latinos have proffered, where Latinos have done very well for themselves. And this is what we do here at Agua Media. How often do we say this? Part of what we need to uh, talk about, and it's what you and I talk about every time we have this podcast, is being able to tell our stories because others aren't telling them. I mean, we're 20% of the population in the United States, and we're barely 2% of the representation in Hollywood, in media, you name it. And, you know, there's people like myself and people like Saul Trujillo who are putting our money where our mouth is and saying, no, if they're not going to talk about it, you know, damn it to hell, we're going to talk about it. We're going to tell this story. And, and I got to share something here before I introduce my friend Orlando and my guest who's going to be telling us a little bit about what he's doing as well. We thought, two short months ago when we first started this, that maybe we'd see an uptick and people would be checking in. We kept thinking, you know, in real estate and in business, there's this thing called the hole in the marketplace. Hole in the marketplace means there's a place that people haven't discovered yet. We think Latinos want to consume news, content, and information by their own standards, through their own eyes, through their own culture, not from the left, not from the right, not from the green, not from the yellow, not from the purple, no, from the Latino perspective. And that's what we're trying to do. And in the process of talking about these stories, we're also going to wake America up to who we are. And this is, I think, one of the most honorable things that we can do, not just for ourselves, because, you know, a couple of us are a little long in the tooth at this point. It's for our children and for our children's children. Because we are the fabric of the United States of America as Latinos. And that's why, that's why we do this podcast. That's why we tell Latino truths. And that's why we believe in this mission. And that's why it's a pleasure for me now to introduce somebody who I think is like-minded in this sense, who believes in this as well. Orlando Salazar is a cattle rancher, believe it or not, a cattle rancher from Texas uh, who has now taken it upon himself to uh, want to tell these stories, to bust the myths, if you will, to tell these Latino truths. Nice to see you, Orlando. Good to be here. Thank you. Thanks for joining a boy uh, from Hialeah well, and a guy from what? Where you, where'd you grow up, Dallas? I grew up uh, born in Waco, Texas, lived all over Texas. So I'm a Texan. Yeah. Tex-Mex. That's fantastic. <clears throat> Growing up in Texas as a Mexicano, first generation, second generation? Second. Second generation. Yeah. How'd you get into the cattle industry? Well, I was, I kind of married into it. Uh, I married a, a girl from Dallas and her family had been from uh, Cameron, Texas, between Waco and College Station. And they had a farm in their family growing up. So when my wife and I got married, her brother had been working with the Houston Astros for many years and they left and they were going to start their own business. <laughs> and instead of she going to work with him, I went to work with him. And as a family unit, we started uh, a thing called 44 Farms on their old family farm in Cameron, Texas. And we started with just a few Angus cattle and it's grown to be the number one uh, uh, black Angus genetics operation in Texas and number three in the United States. Wow. Yeah. What, what is a black Angus uh, cattle 
compared to another type of uh, beef cattle? That's a great question. So Black Angus, uh, the breed has kept data on carcasses longer and more accurately than any other breed in the United States. So because of that, they've been able to prove that Angus beef is better from a taste and, and ten tenderness standpoint than any other breed. That's why when you go to a restaurant, it could be an Arby's, it could be a McDonald's, it could be a high-end restaurant. They always say that they feature Angus beef. Right. Well, they do that for a reason because the Angus folks are able to say that their beef is the best because they have the data to prove it because of the data they've kept on the carcasses all these years that shows the quality of prime, uh, the, the marbling content and all those things. And so they can safely say, yeah, that Angus is the best. You know, it's interesting. Living in Texas, you can't help but be embroiled in the politics of what's going on today in the United States, especially when it comes to immigration, for example, which it seems to me, and let me just say at the outset, it seems to me that our nation, both parties, have been deficient with for the past 20 years or more in trying to really address this problem without bringing their own you know, refuse, if you will. Ronald Reagan was the last guy who said, okay, let's come up with a policy, let's get it done and move on. Since then, there's been this back and forth and nobody seems to be able to figure this thing out. Is it that hard? Well, uh, I think neither party wants to fix it. They have their own special interest and their own reasons for hes hesitating to fix it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we on the Republican side, we have uh, big business. Right. We have the Chamber of Commerce folks. And they love that free labor. They love the cheap labor. <laughs> and the uh, the uh, the lack of control at the border allows this free labor, you know, cheap labor just to keep flowing in. There's no, uh, you know, context in which they need to hire people. Mm -hmm. So there's no special programs they need to worry about. On the opposite side. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with wanting to hire great workers no. who are your grandfather and my grandfather and these people want to come here and work. Look, find out who they are, screen them to make sure they're the good ones. Let them come into our country and make our country great like they have and like our forefathers have for so many years. That concept alone is a great concept. The problem is when it's roughshod, when there's no organization when they're just letting people in at the border willy-nilly, when there's no control, when there's no screening. That's where we get into the problem with this, Well, right? and they have their own special interests that, that lobby our people in, in Washington. So we have the, the, the right side, so to speak, the, the business folks. And then on the left, you have the Democrats who think that they're getting a bunch of really easy votes in the future. So, yeah. you know, you have two uh, different uh, points of interest and they're not willing to want to fix the problem and so it keeps festering and festering. And now uh, with this administration, it's gone full bore into just allowing everybody in. And we don't know who's coming in. And right. thousands of people are dying. Thousands of children are being trafficked. And, thousands uh, of people are getting uh, raped. I mean, it's, it's you know, th there's a humanitarian cr crisis in the Ukraine. Well, there's one on our southern border and the media doesn't want to cover it. Well, don't get me started on how our foreign policy is dependent because of very generally speaking, liberal media, uh, paying attention to things that should matter less to the average American than what's going on here. And and y yes, Ukraine is one of those. Yes. We were told overnight that all of us have to stop everything we're doing and go out and buy a Ukrainian flag and be anti-Russia. And now it seems from their uh, from their rhetoric that they're, they're, they're trying to start World War III. I mean, does anybody know that Russia has more nuclear warheads than we do? 
between Russia and the United States, we together, our countries, have like 12,000 nuclear warheads. They have like 7,000. We have like 6,000. So, you know, whatever that math comes out to, they have more than we do. If I'm not, I'm not saying one way or another, but we have these, 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 these stories that are fed to us that we feel like we have to buy into from a, as you say, human rights standpoint, where we have our own human rights issues right here in this country. We, have and we don't pay attention. No, we have tremendous issues in our own country. And a lot of this has been caused currently, you know, by that, by that war, unnecessary war. So fuel prices have gone up. Then the administration has done a lot of crazy things to, 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 to make it even worse. You know, they've cut down uh, exploration mm -hmm. in Alaska. They've, they're cutting down on permits. They shut down the pipeline. Uh, you know, they're, they're attacking fracking. So they're, you know, they're, they're doing these things that are hurting more than anyone, our people. Yeah. Our small business, our people that start small businesses, they're killing us. Is it your perspective that neither party, and I heard you say this, but I, I just kind of want to go back in there because <clears throat> I want to make sure you hear this as Orlando describes it. Neither party really wants to fix the immigration problems we have in this country. And when you say that, it's almost, it's almost shocking to think the United States of America has a very prevalent issue on the border, but neither party really wants to fix it for their own needs, so to speak. That's, that's a hell of a thing to say about our country. It's disappointing. I love this country. I'll fight for this country. I'll do whatever I can. But sometimes we have to call out the stupidity of our policies. Well, you know, one of the things that to me this reflects is a lack of respect for the Hispanic person, the his Hispanic culture, the Hispanic people. You know, I, I think if if people coming across the border were a different color, I, I think they would be treated a whole different way. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think there's that's one aspect to it. Um, and then it, it, on, on the other side, it, it, well, kind of parallel with that is the fact that uh, people are assuming they're going to vote a certain way. If people felt like they weren't going to vote the way they, they assume they're going to vote, then they'd have an, yeah. That the border <laughs> would change significantly. If you could tell those big top notch, Republicans who own multi-billion dollar companies, yeah, guess what? From now on, you can't hire somebody who hasn't been in the United States for at least two years. They would change their tune on immigration. And if you were to tell the Dems, by the way, we're changing that policy and they're not allowed to come in and they can't vote for 10 years, they would change their policy too. It's almost like, no. you know, they're, they're doing this for another reason. And I think, and here's the thing, and tell me if I'm wrong, I think the average American is somewhere in the middle on all of this. You know, they're not into either party. The average American, Latino American especially, would say, hell no, I don't want no freaking open borders. No open borders. You know, the, there should be a system. You should have to go through that system and you should be able to then come here based on the determinants of that system. That's the average Latino American, the way they think. I also think that most Latinos or, you know, most Latinos in the United States, also are not, you know, they're, they're not racist. They're, they're not, you know, Republicans, for example, are not bigots just because of the mere fact that they're Republicans. So we create these arguments where we end up with labels for both sides that I think can be completely unnecessary and don't help us solve the problem. A recent survey was taken in South Texas and they were, people were asked, well, how do you see yourself? What do you see yourself being? 95% said we see ourselves as Americans. The next 
percentage was we see ourselves as Texans. Hmm. So, you know, people think that Hispanics are not loyal to our country. They're absolutely loyal to, loyal to our country. And they, they see, see themselves just like any other American does. They're, we're proud of our culture, but our culture does not supersede uh, our love or the fact that we are Americans. We agree. Latinos are more apt to fight in the military. The Marines have now got, the U.S. Marine Corps has gotten to the point where they've said they have to hold off on recruiting Latinos because they can't stop them from coming. Latinos, for some reason, love being Marines. And it's almost like it's, 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 almost like it's uh, not fair to other cohorts because it feels like most Marines nowadays are Latinos. What does that say? Look at the history of how Latinos have fought in World War II, World War I, Vietnam War, all the way across generations. I know it's not reported enough and not told by the media for some reason, but that's an important part of who we are. What bothers me, and I think it bothers you as well, and that's how we began this conversation, is that for some reason, the representation of Latinos in the United States seems almost unjust. Like I think the last numbers I saw, we are less than 2% of those represented to take part in the national conversation, be it on NBC, CBS, ABC, you name your network. Why is that? Well, I have no idea why that is. Uh, I think uh, the the media has kind of overcompensated for uh, the black community because of what they suffered in the 50s. <laughs> Which is justified. You know, it's justified. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so they, they, they kind of go overboard to make sure that they are represented. And I think we have suffered because of that. Because nosotros, well, I was going to say something in Spanish, but, mm -hmm. you know, we don't complain. We're not a squeaky wheel. We keep, we, all we do is like, we show up and we work. And you've probably heard this said, and, and I've said it before, actually, in the uh, Camara Industrial in, in Mexico City. Uh, I said that, and I was talking to the biggest leaders in Mexico City, and I said, you need to be proud of the people that are representing you guys in our country. Mm -hmm. And I said, because they're workers. You guys own businesses. They work. You never see a Hispanic person begging on the streets in Dallas, Texas. You just don't ever see them. They're working. Like somebody said, yeah, you see them at Home Depot waiting to get a job, but you don't see them on the corners on the streets begging for, for food. As or, a matter of fact, like we, we just said, we talked here at the Latitudes Conference, Latinos are less apt to be on welfare than non-Latinos in the United States. It's kind of, a, I, think it's a, I think it's a cultural thing. It's against my mom and dad, I, we were poor. Orlando. I mean, we were we were really poor. I remember there were times after we came to this country when I was a little boy that my brothers and I ate, but my parents didn't. And, and we know what they were going through. And my mom and dad never took welfare. They never took food stamps. They just, I, I don't think they could. It was it was almost like they didn't, it wasn't in them. You well, know? when my grandparents came to Texas, there, there was no food stamps. There was no welfare. <laughs> there was nothing. There was just hard work, you know? So, uh, my dad went to serve in World War II, and he earned the GI Bill, and that's how he was, able, he was able to go to college. He actually went to college back in the 50s when it was very few Mexican-Americans were going to college. But one of the things I wanted to touch on and kind of dovetails <clears throat> regarding you know, what I'm doing now is uh, military and Hispanics. We have, I think, three or four Hispanics that have won the Medal of Honor, and they, are, they, they need to be recognized. And so one of the things I started was Voice Media. And what Voice Media is going to do is going to provide a different point of view in Spanish for Spanish speakers in our country mm. on the news, on what's going on and about our culture and about people that we need to uplift. 
And so that's one of the, that's going to be one of my big goals is to highlight Medal of Honor winners and other people like that that we need to remind people currently about how we got here and that we have wonderful heroes that we need to start recognizing as heroes. Well, you know, it's funny you say that about media because I've been in media all my life. And one of the things that I've that I've realized, and people ask me all the time, well, I hear you complain when people say horrible things about Latinos. That must mean that you're a liberal because you, you know, don't like Fox News because they say that all the time. And I go, look, A, I don't like Fox News. I don't like it when Hannity does shows about, you know, Latinos being less white or ruining our country and stuff like that. But that doesn't mean I give a pass to NBC or CNN. Au contraire. In fact, they rarely do anything for us as Latinos. I mean, when was the last time you turned on the TV and saw a Latino on television? When was the last time you saw reporters? Go into those newsrooms and see how many people who sit on that editorial staff meeting every morning at nine o'clock. How many of those people are Latino? I'll tell you, because I've been in them, very few. So don't think for one minute that they have our back either. Our story needs to be our story. It doesn't need to be the story of one party or one you know, type of uh, ideology, whether it's NBC or CNN or, or, or Fox or, or any of them. That's how I see it, yeah. you know? Yeah, well, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah, we, we need to do a better job of promoting ourselves and being in a position, positioning ourselves to get that promotion or to be in a position uh, politically or any other way to be leaders. So I, I think we need to, we ourselves need to do a better job of that. Tell me about Vols. Tell me about how you want to, I mean, I, you know, we just started this Agua thing and we are surprised. It is just, we're doing, uh, I checked last night, we're doing 229% run rate growth month in 30 days. I never imagined in my wildest dreams that we'd get this far this fast. Yeah. So I'm feeling, I'm feeling like there are people out there who want to hear this message. Well, we believe it too. Um, this started for me nine months ago, and it started because I, one of my cattle guys in Mexico said, well, he came up for a Cowboys game in Dallas, and he said, Orlando, all my friends are conservative. He says, but we have no place to get news. And I go, wow. I said, that's sad, but we, but we don't have it here in our country either. So Vos Media is primarily a Spanish language uh, news outlet. It's VOZ, Vos Media. Uh, it's Vos.us. That's mm -hmm. the website, Vos.us. And it's available. You can click on a little button. It can be in English or Spanish. But the content is original content. Uh, we cover tremendous stories. And it's all written from center right. And we haven't started doing video yet, but I we just leased some. Uh, I can help you with that. Yeah, right. Well, we just leased some <laughs> studios. We just leased some studios in Dallas, and uh, and I've hired uh, anchors from Univision, Telemundo, uh, Estrella. That's great. I've hired talent away from actually even from Newsmax. So we've built a great team, and we're going to start pr uh, uh, producing content to Spanish speakers that we hope will be a difference from what they're getting from Univision and Telemundo. I have a hard time sometimes explaining to people why, and I imagine you do too. Uh, there are people who, when they think conservative, since you said the word conservative, they immediately jump to, oh, conservative, and to what I mentioned a little while ago, oh, Hannity, oh, so you hate black people, oh, you hate Mexicans, oh, you hate this, you hate that. Just like, to a certain extent, you know, look, it, it happens on both sides. Some people think, oh, so you voted for Joe, Joe Biden. That must mean that you're a tree hugger and that you're uh, extremely liberal and you believe in uh, that, you know, that men should be in women's bathrooms, et cetera, et cetera. We have a tendency when we dis when we label ourselves to go to extremes. I don't think that's healthy either. No, it's and, not. And you must have to deal with that all the time, we, too. We do. And so when I think conservative, I mean, that is a very political term. 
But for Hispanics and for Spanish speakers, we feel more like it's family values. Those are the things that we, we don't want to lose. And those are the things that we want to present with that kind of lens is family values type of uh, approach to, to news, you know, and, and to what's going on in our culture. Our culture is going down the tubes really, really fast. Mm -hmm. And the media has helped pushing it, you know, down the tubes. Uh, what's going on in our schools, what's going on with our children, you know, uh, it's just horrible, you know, and, and really when you boil it down. You mean, to, and I think what you're saying is um, we're losing the basics of who we are. For example, we as Latinos, we, we, we attend church in huge numbers compared to every other cohort in the United States. We tend to be more family centric than any other cohort in the United States. A lot of these things are part of our DNA. And I know society is trying to move really fast. But I think the average Latino, including myself, we're not ready to go that fast. You know, well, and, and you that's know, the you discomfort level. One, one of the things that you touched on is we go to church. So what we're facing today is if you really boil it down to to the very basic, we're we're fighting a spiritual battle. It's mm -hmm. it's light versus darkness. It's mm -hmm. good versus evil. That's why we're seeing the family attacked. The, you know, darkness is trying to attack. Once you destroy the family unit, it's over. We're done. Our country is dead. And so when you see things that cause families to come apart, saying that a, a father is not a father, it can be two fathers or two mothers or kids can pick what they want to be, uh, start teaching them all these, you know, horrible sexual things. Uh, when they're, but you can choose your sex oh, after well, you're and born. And not only that, but showing them how to act or behave sexually that is not according to their sex that they were born with. The books that they're putting out, they're attacking the family. How do you um, reconcile what you just said, which is, I think, sound that we need to slow down as a society and figure out who we are. But how do you reconcile that with someone who may listen to you and say, well, you're just anti-gay. I mean, what's wrong with you, Orlando? Why are you saying something like that? How, how do you reconcile that for them? Because you're not a discriminant. You're not a bigot. I know you. I've, I've hung out with you. You and I have been talking for the last 24 hours, if not more. You're a, you're a normal guy. But there's some things that trouble you. You have the intestinal fortitude to express those things, knowing that by expressing those, someone's going to come along and say what I just said. How do you, how do you reconcile that? You know, it's not so much being anti-anything. It's being pro-family. You know, and, and I think anything that kind of uh, leads to destroying the family is something that we need to be careful with. And, and I think that that mentality is one that it, it's kind of a, a, a domino effect. And, and so one leads to, so, so we have the LGBTQ and the other stuff. And yesterday or the day before, there was a story about how the gays uh, were banding together like a conservative gay group were coming together to to ban this, this, this recruiting of children and abusing of children that they were saying, this is not what gay being gay is all about. Mm -hmm. But the, the, the point of the matter Which is, is good then, right? Yeah, that's yeah. good. That's yeah. good. But, but it's a slippery slope. Uh, once you start leaving kind of that uh, domain where God kind of ordained, uh, ordained us to be a certain way. Look, God said to, he created a man and a woman. And he said, now go forth, be fruitful and multiply. God knew what he was talking about. It's, it sounds like a verse that's so like big deal. Well, if we're seeing the problems culturally around the world when we do not 
where we're not fruitful and we we don't multiply. Look what's happening in Europe. It's dying. Europe is dying because they're not multiplying. Our own country is dying because we're not multiplying. Well, actually, there is one cohort in the United States that's multiplying quite well. Yeah. Latinos. <laughs> because of our values. Right. Because of our values. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, it's simple. When you add two and two together, you get four. Right. It's almost like um, the uh, white Anglo-Saxon European-American is barely multiplying himself at yeah. this point. It's less than one. Exactly. Right? Less yeah. than one person that every couple that's... And yet we are in the plus twos. Right. So, and and that's interesting. You think that's you think that's DNA. You think that's uh, that's who we are. You think that's a cultural I thing. I think that's who we've been. Uh, and I think culture and, and the media are trying to change us. How do you... You know, it's fascinating because y- your argument is, and I think it's a, it's an interesting argument that we as Latinos actually match up better to the principles of the conservative movement, the Republican Party, than we do the Democratic or liberal movement. I hate using labels, but for the sake of understanding, I think it's safe in this case to do that so we all can understand what we're talking about. I agree that that's true. What do we tell our Republican friends? My buddy Tucker Carlson, for example. I like Tucker. Tucker and I have lots of conversations. But sometimes he goes on this, you know, white replacement theory thing about how, you know, Mexicans are too many Mexicans and they're changing America and we don't want them here. And it's like, Tucker, don't say that. I mean, why would you say that to a people who are like you? And how, how, do, how do we get those guys to understand this? Because it bothers me sometimes. It makes me want to either turn off the TV or throw something at it. Well, I think they, they fear the fact that we're going to not vote the way we need to vote. Huh. And, and I think that's their concern. They're, so it's not about us replacing them no, because our I skin think, is a little darker? I think darker. they're worried that we are not going to su- continue supporting the Constitution, that we're not going to continue supporting uh, the, the way our country was founded. Mm-hmm. But I think if we are, if we together in doing what we're doing are able to educate our people and show them how our country was founded and, and the values it was founded on, and tell them, like you said, truths, truths, because there is a truth. Yeah. You know, no matter what people say. But our numbers, if they just understood the numbers, 80% of Latinos in the United States are U.S. citizens. Yeah. 95% of Latinos under the age of 41 speak English. You know, 95% speak English. I mean, these, these are numbers that are there. Our, our rate of, of, of acculturation. Uh, is as high or the same as every other group that's ever come here, including the Germans, the Italians, and you know, whatever. So we're not that different. And by the way, we've been here since 1560, which was before the pilgrims. But what I want my I want Mexicans, to- Mexican Americans, even though they weren't <laughs> Mexicans, uh, Americans yet, fought in the Alamo. Right. On on the America on the on both sides. Side. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it, you know, there's a lot of facts are funny things. They are funny things and but hopefully we're going to be here to to tell yes. the story straight, you know, and that's that's really what we need to do is just educate our people so that they'll start voting. Because look, people I people people say, "Oh, you know, Hispanics are you're 50% of the state of Texas." And I go, "Yeah, but you know what? If we don't vote, we're zero. Yeah. If we don't vote, it doesn't matter how many of us are in this country. We so have to vote. Why do Latinos uh, consistently, with the exception of uh, South Florida during this last presidential election, Latinos consistently vote more blue than red in presidential elections? Is Why is that? 
Well, my, my theory, which I shared with you last night, is the fact that when JFK became president, he was a first Catholic president. And in Texas, uh, that it was that was a huge impact. Yeah. In fact, impact part of our culture, part of our DNA. Right. Uh, yeah, event. And so Mexican-Americans in Texas started voting Democrat because he was Catholic and he was handsome and he was young and all this. Well, that tradition has continued and continued. So it's it's tough to break tradition. But I think what you, with Meyer Flores, with... Uh, the mayor of McAllen, conservative, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I think we're starting to see things shift. And so there, there is a change going on in Texas. Let me ask you maybe a final question. Um, people, you and I are both successful guys, you know, I've done pretty well. And, you know, thank God, somehow I was able to muster the luck or the grace to be able to go from being a poor kid growing up in a barrio in Hialeah to, you know, founding a $4.4 billion company and, you know, being an anchor on CNN and on Fox and on NBC and interviewing four presidents. And it's pretty cool stuff. And I don't know if I deserve it any more than the next guy, but, you know, it did happen. And now that I'm in this situation, a lot of people say, why don't you just get a yacht and go walk away? Go do your thing. I mean, look at you. You're one of the most successful cattle ranchers in Texas. You're obviously a very, you know, successful man. I'm doing this Agua thing because I, I want these stories to be told. I want these conversations to be had. Why are you doing this? Well, I am a believer in Christ. Uh, I am a person of faith, and I try to walk by faith and not by sight. And when the Lord shoulder taps you and he tells you to do something, you do it. And I feel like the Lord has put this in my path. He has brought me to the point where I am now. And, uh, and so when he says, go do it, I do it. And if he ever says, stop, I'll stop. But at this point, he's saying, go. And so this is why I'm doing it. Uh, it's not me, it's him. And he's put me on this road and I'm going to keep going down it. It's about giving back. Yeah. It's about giving back. I mean, I'm sure that doesn't mean you're not going to have fun. I'm still not going to go on a boat from time to time or take in a ball game. But I feel like guys like you and I, we got to help the next generation coming up. And there's something heuristic about that. There's something graceful about that. Well, when you're doing what you're supposed to do, you have fun doing it. It, <laughs> it may, from the outside looking in, it may be, it, look, it may be look like, it may look like hard work to others, but when we, you're doing it, like you and I are doing it, it's actually a lot of fun. You have a really cool and unique perspective on things, you know, and you're also very forthright and you're also very courageous. Uh, I find that today, very few people will actually lay their ideology on the table and say, look, you may disagree with me, but this is how I feel about this. You know, I get a, I get a lot of flack for a lot of the stuff that I say on, on this uh, podcast. And sometimes people don't like it and people and sometimes they like it. But I think in the end, and I don't know if you agree with me, I think there's more virtue in being true to your thoughts, to your opinions even, uh, as long as you're fair with them and don't beat people up just to get your opinion out there, then you would be to keep quiet. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah, but we do need to speak up when, when, when we're prompted in our hearts and from the Lord, we, we have to speak up. Thanks so much. Oh, thank Orlando you. Salazar. I appreciate it. It's a great, great meeting. Vos is Vos. the name of uh, Vos. Yeah. US. It's fantastic. And you know who we are, right? Agua Media. Uh, this is Rick Sanchez News. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Apple. If you happen to be watching us on, uh, on YouTube, then hit that little subscribe button as well. And tell your friends. These are important conversations that we have. And you know what? Nobody else is doing it. That's why we do. Andale. Y vamos con todo. Agua.